People love him already. He's got the uh, Rhode Island twang. The long pass to Moore and a pin block from Martin. Tune in to Cam's corner. He's going <laughs> to make it here. Draws the foul for another Rhode Island in one. Podcast his own podcast. It's good off the backboard and in. Trying to break. We are back, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Cam's Corner, episode 88, season three, episode 20 on that milestone to 100. But today joining me, the pregame, halftime, and postgame host on the Philadelphia 76ers radio network and the TV voice of the Delaware Bluecoats, the 76ers NBA G League affiliate, Matt Murphy. Matt, happy to connect. I appreciate you for taking the time and joining me. Thanks for having me, Cam. Episode 88, you said? Yes, sir. Oh, good stuff. I can't wait to until you reach that 100 mark that's awesome yeah trying to cap it off before senior year ends graduating in may at the university of rhode island so uh trying to get as many fruitful guests as possible because like i told you myself i'm a aspiring broadcaster so people like yourself um you know more players um at the high level like i just had zed key who plays at ohio state so players of that caliber more um high-end players it's really cool the people that i'm able to connect with too so um well you know Every podcast I've ever heard that promotes an episode 100 or some milestone episode with a big guest, I always click on those. So no pressure, but you need to make <laughs> sure you get somebody good for 100. Yeah, I had Joe Mazzula on my first first episode I ever did. And I always look back at it. and I'm like, ah, I wish I had him kind of like in the middle, you know, because that's where I kind of got started to get more comfortable. And um, but hopefully maybe, you know, he can make a full circle entrance and be at that 100, 100 episode mark. But, um, you know, excited to have you on today. So you're a South Jersey native. Before getting into your broadcasting journey, just talk about what it was like growing up in South Jersey and like where your passion for sports really started. Yeah, so South Jersey, part where people are fans of the Philadelphia teams, definitely, which included my family. Although my dad is from New York and a lot of my passion for sports comes from my parents. He was a, a college basketball coach among other stops at Drexel University for the women's team when I was super young. And my mom was, we say, some. We, I think we finally conceded she's the best athlete in the family. My brother and I, my dad, my my mom, we all played sports, but she was a three-sport athlete into college, Division One field hockey player. So they were my coaches a lot of the time when I was a kid playing. My brother is three years older. So I was following in, in his footsteps for a lot of my sports career at, as an athlete myself in youth sports and into high school and played club baseball into college and all that. But my, my love for sports and now sports broadcasting really stems from growing up in a sports family, being around basketball in particular, even if it was by osmosis, as they say, from being in the gym when my dad was running a, a practice or watching his games and seeing the spectacle that is a basketball game at that level and the mascots and the music and the broadcasting. So it just came naturally for me. For sure. And it's someone like me too. Like I grew up loving the sport of basketball. It's what sparked uh, my passion for broadcasting. I was wondering if it was the same thing, but you kind of just answered that question right there. Basketball kind of drove you to broadcasting. Did you have any like idols growing up or was it kind of more so like, focusing on playing or when did that passion for broadcasting start? I did play basketball and it's always been a huge love of mine. My, my primary sport though, the sport I played for the longest was baseball as a left-handed pitcher. 
basketball. My high school team was very, very good, matched up with Carl Towns in the state final in New Jersey a handful of times, but I didn't play all four years because of how good our program was. So I focused more on baseball as a player. My brother was part of the program a couple of years before me on the basketball side. Um, but yeah, like always being around it definitely makes sense why I maybe picked up the broadcasting side of it a little bit quicker. I just had always heard the terminology and, and things like that. So from a, a playing standpoint, it didn't maybe last as long as, as some other sports, but as a fan, um, you said some idols, I huge Allen Iverson fan, even though it was the, the tail end of his Sixers career and the finals run, I was still pretty young for, but that's what makes working for the, the Sixers now even more special is hometown NBA team coming up through their G league system, which the G league has grown. I'm grateful that my timing in this industry has coincided with the growth of the G league, even though it's been around since those early two thousands. Um, so as a fan of Allen Iverson and that team, uh, was definitely a college basketball fan growing up and AJ Redick and the Duke teams. And he was actually on the Sixers when I was first getting started and a fan of the broadcasts, Mark Zumoff at the time on, on television, Tom McGinnis has been doing radio for the Sixers for 29 years now, 29 seasons. And now I work with him on every single Sixers game on the radio and hearing the national broadcasters as well, who call uh, NBA games and, and college games, many of whom also went to Fordham like myself, Mike Breen, the voice of the finals looked up to all those guys on the broadcasting side and those, those Iverson Sixers teams and had my eye on the college game too. Yeah, for sure. Mike Breen is definitely somebody that I try to implement my skills around. Obviously it's tough to achieve greatness like him, but um you know, going off of that and looking at the the people that you grew up listening to and um, grew that passion for, when did you kind of seek the interest in going to Fordham? You know, uh, high school comes around and w were you already knowing what you wanted to go to school for or was it kind of like up in the air once you got there? Well, speaking of Mike Breen, I, I mentioned that my dad grew up in New York. He's from Yonkers and he attended the same basketball camps that Mike Breen was, I believe, still playing. I understand he's a pretty he was a pretty good player in his day. Um, so he knew about Fordham. He knew as the years went along that Mike Breen was on the air at Fordham and other people from Fordham have gone on. It's like Bob Papa is the radio voice of the Giants. So it's not just basketball with your your guys from Fordham like Mike Breen, Ryan Rucco, Spiro Didis, all these um people, but yeah, like Mike Breen was a, a huge um, inspiration for me and still is, but that came a little bit later because I knew I wanted to work in sports, but I looked at Fordham because of the New York connection with my with my dad knowing about the program and all that, but I didn't go there to study communications right away. I, I actually, my degree is in economics and I knew I wanted to work in sports, but I wasn't quite sure how, which is such a, a common situation to be in. And I thought maybe going the business route would allow me to be a sports agent or work in a front office somewhere in any sport. So I get on campus, but he encouraged me to check out the radio station, even as an extracurricular, but it turns into 
basically a full-time job and then you're a student worker and you're much of your time outside the classroom is spent calling games, covering games. You get to cover the pro teams in the, in the New York city area, which there are many and podcasting and all that. So I, I caught that bug the first week on campus in college and really never looked back, um, was heavily involved in four years while keeping my econ major added a communications minor, but it was about my sophomore year in college where I really decided that this is what I'm going to pursue as a career. Yeah. And I'm sure the programs at Fordham, you know, along with like schools like Syracuse and things like that, that have those like top notch, like sports media programs where students are able to, you know, get the most out of, out of their education. Like for myself at the university of Rhode Island, um, very fortunate enough to be able to call games on like ESPN plus um, alongside with the radio as well. So definitely like a lot of, you got to take advantage of those opportunities for sure. So, um, and that's, you, that's, yeah. that's really coming along in, in recent years. Right. So mm -hmm. My background is in radio, but it's so promising for anyone in this field that the ESPN pluses of the world and other streaming services are out there. There's more ways than ever to broadcast a game, to consume a game as a fan. I did a few Atlantic 10 digital network assignments for men's and women's basketball, which got me a little bit of taste of being on camera, but a lot of it was radio. And I, right before we started recording, I saw that ESPN and Fox and, and Warner uh, are merging for a new streaming service that's going to carry a lot of live sports. So I am optimistic about where broadcasting is going. And, and that's good for students to get hands-on experience with video broadcasting in any position, announcing camera work, production, graphics, because all of that, there are many roles that people don't know about. So that hands-on experience that you and I speak of, hopefully there continue to be more opportunities in it. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy to see how quick things like turn around. Like you look back, you know, already four years for myself, like I'm already a senior. So um, very, again, grateful to be able to take advantage of those opportunities. But when you look back at your first start, you know, your first time behind the mic, you know, run me through that and like reflect on how you felt, you know, the emotions going through it. And then like looking back on it, how you've grown since that point. I did call a game, maybe two at the Ryan center at Rhode nice. Island. It, I don't believe in watching recent games that it's still Alex and Ani court which it was during my era. I forget what the court is named now, but I loved the arena. I liked the Ryan Center a lot, that intimate feel, but it was not my first game ever that I did. But Fordham and, and the University of Rhode Island, both, of course, Atlantic 10 rivals among the, the three sets of Rams when you loop in VCU as well. But my first game was a non-conference game, and I had done practice games, which was a pivotal part of the process because – at our radio station, it's a 50,000-watt NPR affiliate. So they, the football games and the men's basketball games, there was some clearance involved in getting your voice heard on the 90.7 FM side of things. So I had done some practice games. And then finally, this was the 2016-17 season. Uh, there was the crossover period between football and men's basketball where some of the announcing crew is is – caught up in in football season so i'm i'm on the men's basketball and um i had the executive producer bob aarons of 
WFUV Sports sitting by my side. And he is someone who I knew at that point had mentored the Spiro Didis and Ryan Rucos of the world and is close with Mike Breen. And he was along for the ride with me just to first game on the air, just make sure everything went well, encouraging me the whole way. And it was the NYIT Bears and the Fordham Rams. And it was the process of doing all the the board preparation for the first time and seeing what I liked and what worked and didn't work. And from there I was off and running. I, I just really love the nature of a live call. I love doing radio shows and podcasts and interviews, but, and writing and other things in, that we all have to do as part of this business. But when the, the ball is thrown up for a live basketball game, that feeling that I get is just unparalleled. Yeah, there's nothing like it. I remember like the first time I called the game on like ESPN Plus, and like the second that the ball was in the air, you know, tip ball, like the motion is just like it's just like live. Like nothing, you don't feel anything except like what's and happening you don't, in that moment. You don't know what's going to happen yeah. either. So that's the beauty of live sports, and to be on the the broadcast of a sport where you don't know the outcome of the game and to ride the wave just like a player or a coach might it's not a an exact comparison but um i think that's why a lot of ex-athletes enjoy many of them enjoy the broadcasting side of it it's just it's a great it's a great feeling sometimes you feel like you you played afterwards if you're putting everything into it and no matter what you were thinking going into the broadcast you could be on your biggest outlet of your career or even some of your preparation all that helps you but the beauty of the uncertainty i i love i love that part of it i had the chance to do a game on espn2 for the g league playoffs and there was a lot more moving parts than i was ever used to i had the game open with more discussion going on in my headset as as the game is getting underway some nerves having never been in front of the national audience before and as soon as we got through like the game open and the game started, that all went away. And it's like every other game that you've ever called. For sure. I can def- definitely attest to that. I mean, not at that grand of uh, level yet, but um, yeah, once the opens done for myself too, once that opens over and you're underway, it's just all the nerves go away. But um, for yourself, 2018, you graduate, like you said, a degree in economics and communication that same year in September, you win your first official job. Um, calling play-by-play for football, college football over the radio for uh, Alverini, Alverania. Say that is that right? Alvernia, Alvernia. Alvernia. Okay. And then that same month, you become the youngest play-by-play broadcaster in the NBA G League, of course, with the Blue Coats. Again, the first opportunity. You're still with them now, and I want to know, like, firsthand, just about these jobs, what that process is like applying for them. You know, your first job out of college is with uh, a G League affiliate. So just talk about that a little bit. Right. So anyone who who wants to work in sports, you'll hear the things like timing is everything and there's no one path. And a lot of these things are, are correct, if not cliches, but for me, I never had a, a job description posted and a, a exact job portal to apply for this role with the blue coats, which the conversation actually started before doing football at Alvernia. So I was on my way in for my first job, basically 
through the G League path of the Sixers G League affiliate in Delaware while simultaneously wanting to add football as soon as I possibly could post-college to get more reps, which turned out to be at Alvernia the following fall. This is where you're part of my story where for anyone out there who is in that spot, how important your support system is during those times because it is hard. There, For on-air positions, there's not always a, an exact job listing. For sports in general, it's highly competitive. So whoever your support system is, you'll never lean on them more than you do in the first couple of months and and even years. But it could be family. Um, it could be friends. It could be mentors. There, there's no one situation that is best, but you need somebody around you and some people around you to help you through those moments. And I sent an email to get the blue coach job with a chunk of my play-by-play -play work. And the timing was that they wanted to interview me for announcing and also help with public relations and social media, kind of a jack of all trades type of entry level role, which took fruition that fall around the same time that I was doing college football for a division three school, Alvernia in, in Redding, Pennsylvania. So take chances with your work. No one's going to necessarily have a, a posting out there that fits you perfectly there. You never know who's looking for what at, at what time. And then it's about making the right impression when you get in the door, but it's, it's very difficult, which I think that's where like this grind comes in of having people around you who are going to lift you up personally and professionally. And I know that everyone's situation is different and it can be challenging financially, mentally, all that stuff. But that's where people who support you and are always encouraging you and no matter what, if helping you improve sometimes with critique, but also complimenting you, it just gives you that, that extra gear to keep going. And, um, you need that the most at that point in time. And I needed that as I was trying to prove myself with the blue coats in a variety of ways because the staff was so small, but I got tons of hands-on opportunities. That's what you're looking for. That's what people are looking for in their first job is the chance to do a lot and have a lot of responsibility. So it was more so you kind of sending out emails to jobs that you think were best fitting for you. Cause obviously, like you said, there wasn't like exact postings, but it was more so you reaching out to a variety of different people. Yeah. Sometimes there are, there might be a job posted for you that that works that just hasn't wasn't the case for me and i emailed them because it was a local team but that wasn't a deal breaker i would find brands and teams that and i got the timing worked out for me with a, with a local team but generally speaking for anyone else i would find brands and teams that you are inspired by that you might want to work for and reach out organically with some of your work or to set up conversations and see what happens. But I was because even though that was my situation where it was a connected to a Philadelphia team, I was willing to go anywhere in the country to get that start. But who knows what happens if it's not a local team, because I needed that 
support system from home and not everybody is fortunate to have that and have people driving distance from you while you're getting your foot in the door so i don't think i'd be where i am today if if it if it wasn't the case that the team who took a chance on me was local yeah and in the midst of all that too again coming right out of college the month or the, the fall after um over the years reflecting and being able to finally land that job how would you feel like you found your voice as a broadcaster with all the reps and all the experience that you had over the years oh for sure in uh tremendously like it it has happened like in countless ways over the years finding my voice um it happened in in college as well uh, through podcasting i wasn't sure that i wanted to be on air but you start podcasting and, and hearing yourself and honing the way that you speak a little bit um never trying to sound like someone else or sound like someone who's not yourself but figuring out how to speak conversationally and considering the listener is something they say at Fordham. So this is stuff I took from Fordham into the workforce. Marty Glickman, the famous New York announcer, his saying was always consider the listener and what the listener needs, whether that's the score and the time or, or what information they need or what terminology they need for certain parts of the, the basketball court or the football field. I kind of took that mindset into finding my voice on the, a professional team. But the big difference for me is that I was going from radio to a lot of television and, and video streaming calls, which was minimizing my words a little bit and being less descriptive, but finding my voice as a, a TV announcer, which was a little bit of an adjustment outside of the, the few Atlantic 10 digital games I, I got to do in college. I think doing football at the same time helped me find my voice too, because calling football on the radio when there's 200 players and figuring out prep processes for that, kind of doing that first year of post-grad football and the first year of G League basketball on, on TV, both of those things simultaneously and keeping the lessons from Fordham in the back of your mind about what, who's your audience? Who are you, who are you talking to um, and being yourself, the, there's another thing that, um, Fordham people talk about, and it comes from Vince Scully via red barber. Vince Scully is another Fordham person. And it's that the only thing you can bring into the booth that no one else has is yourself. So figuring out how to be yourself, come across as likable and personable, and being prepared, being prepared allows you to be confident and relaxed. And that's finalizing my preparation process in the first year or two out gave me the confidence to be conversational on the air. Because if you're well prepared and you have everything you need, it frees you up to be easygoing on the air. So it was really that adjustment from radio to TV and in the process of finding my voice. Yeah, most definitely. And one of my professors says that no 10 times the amount of what you're going to say, like besides if you're doing broadcast, if you're public speaking, whatever the case is, just know 10 times the amount of information that you're going to be presenting. And um, again, doing the prep work and not only having rosters and like, you know, recent trends memorized, but again, being able to have that conversation without having to look down 
just being able to have it like a, a natural conversation. So it's more appealing to the audience. So can definitely attest to that too. And then like the switch from TV to radio, if I'm not on ESPN, I'm on the radio. So I, that's kind of like where I'm trying to figure out. And I think I've done a, a decent job of it this year, particularly like being able to switch, like knowing how to change the radio voice to like the TV voice. I think my time at, at Fordham, it allowed me to learn the the basics. I know I've talked about Fordham a lot, but this could be for anybody calling games, getting started. It's just my version of that. Like wherever you are, all you need with technology is, is a phone. A, it used to be a tape recorder. But when you're learning the basics of broadcasting, which for me was during that, that portion of, of my career, then you take that and you bring it to the TV side where, again, always consider your listeners, like Marty Glickman said. And on TV, it was about storytelling. So I have the basics down. Now everybody can see it. How do I effectively become a, a TV storyteller? Because on the radio, you can get by with just the basics of the game, the players, the, the participants in this event. That fills a lot of airtime and the description fills a lot of airtime, but on TV, mastering this art and you'll never, no one ever masters it. I mean, the great ones get close or, or maybe they do, but tr trying to have a perfect TV broadcast and fit those stories in where they're supposed to be. I've really embraced that type of challenge. And definitely. And um, again, still with the blue coats to this day, uh, you do the 76ers pregame halftime postgame shows on the radio um, along with being the senior broadcasting and content coordinator with the 76ers. So just kind of run me through your debut. So October 30th of 2021, you filled in um, for the Sixers versus Hawks on the radio. So your first time calling an NBA game over the radio, just, you know, the build up to that game, the emotions and everything you were thinking that day. It's funny because I did a, a podcast interview during COVID where I mentioned a goal of how everything I was doing at that time, which was still with the Sixers organization, but mostly on the G League side, was building towards hopefully one day calling NBA games. This is before I ever made that debut. And I was just thinking back to that time and and what you try to do to put yourself in the best position. You have to approach every day trying. And it's like a mindset thing. It, and I, it's, it's not like visualizing or however you, you want to phrase it, but having the, the belief in yourself that something like that will happen someday encouraged me along the way. And some other people might help you on that journey, support you, say that you can do it, but you have to believe that you can do it as well. So I remember talking about it in a setting like this and to realize that I don't know, everyone's different. Some people write their goals down. Some people just keep a mental note of where they'd like to be someday. I have written goals down over the years. At one point, I probably wrote that I wanted to call an NBA game. And could I have predicted the circumstances with which it happened for me? No. I mean, without getting into too specific of details, it's, the Sixers got a new TV announcer who has become a great friend and, and mentor. And I say friend first with Kate Scott uh, from the Bay Area who took over the Sixers TV job, but still had obligations on 
the radio during the the NBA the early NBA season her first year and Tom McGinnis would go from radio also a great mentor to the TV side and that allowed me to slide in and fill in on radio a couple times that first fall that Kate was in Philadelphia so that's how I made my debut at the end of October 2021 but I felt prepared for it and it was something that I had thought about and you can't let it distract from your day to day. But um, I was fortunate because I had about five games on my schedule that I knew I was going to be calling because of the football schedule for Kate. So I would prepare each week for essentially one NBA game on the weekend. And it allowed me to get into a nice little rhythm. But once the ball tipped off, I, I was ready. I, I didn't put too much pressure on myself. Um, it was really cool that the moment of making my NBA debut was a dream come true because the Sixers are the team that I grew up watching. My older brother, my only sibling was a, a ball boy for one game in 2003. And Allen Iverson was on the Sixers getting MVP chance at the line. Fast forward to 2021, the Sixers broadcasters sit in about 20 rows up in the same arena where the same setting where I was a fan first and I had my brother and my parents in the row directly behind me in 2021 while Joel Embiid is getting MVP chance at the line and I'm calling the game on the radio. So it was a full circle moment, something I'll never forget. And a lot of self-belief and, you know, relationships and supporters in my inner orbit helped make it happen. Yeah, and six years now, already dating back to 2018. It's crazy how fast time flies, but um, probably along the, the same lines as that. Like, you're welcome to the NBA moment. You know, I like to ask players, um, well, the short amount of NBA players that I've been able to talk to and, like, uh, college athletes as well, like, they're welcome to the league moment where they kind of realize, like, that they're in the big league. So for you, just what was that moment like? And if it was that one, just kind of describe a little bit more, um, like, the situation. Welcome to the NBA. I mean, any of the names that are on the court at any one given time, that's the cool part because a lot of prep work goes into play-by-play -play broadcasting, but for the NBA where there's 8, 10, 12 players on each team in the rotation on a given night, sports fans, people who, even casual fans, know a lot of these players by face and by name. My first game was calling it against Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks. So you're not studying maybe the, the people as much because you know their names, you know their colleges, you know their roles in a lot of respects. So I guess every every matchup, like the first season where I was filling in on NBA games was sort of a welcome to the NBA moment. But um, pinpointing a specific thing, I... When I was in the G League, I still think you can get that welcome to the the pro game moment. And this is a story about how you never know who's watching or who's listening. Because I got my foot in the door in the G League, some of those games are on NBA TV. And everyone in the NBA universe watches NBA TV and any of the networks where the NBA is covered. So I found out years later that one of these G League games on a Sunday afternoon was on 
in Doc Rivers' office when he was coaching the Clippers, Mark Kestisher from ESPN said, hey, I, I walked into Doc Rivers' office and you were on the screen doing the game open for the Blue Coats G League game. And it's that was a welcome to the NBA moment as I'm part of a product where NBA personnel is invested in checking this thing out. And you have to be on your game every single time because you never know who might catch you for a split second. And that's not to say that Doc Rivers would rem remember seeing me or recognize me or help me on this career path, but someone else might who catches you. And that was kind of a, a wow, welcome, welcome to the league moment. But the any of the games where I, I called in Philadelphia in front of the home crowd with my family there supporting me was truthfully the welcome to the NBA. Most definitely. And now being, again, the senior broadcasting and social media, like coordinate and be, having all these different responsibilities, again, kind of like all tying into one, but still on that, that broadcasting journey, so to speak, um, you know, having all those opportunities and the schedule, of course, probably being jam packed, but being able to talk to players courtside, free halftime post game on the radio, um, you know, so much goes into it um, alongside like the welcome to the NBA moment. What's been your most memorable moment behind the mic with the 76ers? Mm. Wow. So I've had some good games to call. I think anytime I get to share the mic with Tom McGinnis, who I mentioned as the 29 year radio voice of the Sixers to work with him on a daily basis, having grown up listening to him, that is special to me working with my colleagues such as Lauren Rosen on any Sixers coverage or D line them on our blue coats TV coverage. Um, anytime I'm able to work with these people, it's always a thrill, but I've called a, an overtime game against the Timberwolves in Philadelphia, which was incredible. Um, I've called some big time Joel Embiid performances. And, and these are all things that, that I will never forget. I'm hope I, I hope I'm not forgetting anything right now. Um, it's probably so many when you look back at everything. Yeah. It's just really cool. I mean, when you asked me about welcome to the NBA and, and seeing players courtside, I was walking down the tunnel and coming out to warm up was LeBron James and going back of house was, was me. And it was just the two of us walking down a hallway and it's, LeBron James, one, maybe the best player to ever play basketball, if not one of. And that that's like the that's the welcome to the league that that's just part of your job. And then being in in media availabilities and press conferences with those people regularly. Earlier this year, I got to call a game against the Suns, filling in on the radio and calling a game with Kevin Durant. They weren't at full force with with Bradley Beal. Calling a game with Kevin Durant as part of it was just another reminder of where the journey has taken me. Nice. And for for someone like myself, too, again, coming down to the last few questions, the last few minutes, um, I'm 21, graduating from the U, uh, University of Rhode Island in May. So, you know, definitely trying to seek some opportunities and see what's available. Definitely going to try to implement those practices that you said in, in this episode into my own. But um, again, for someone like myself, aspiring sports broadcasters, what would you say is the best practice for getting a job right out of college like yourself at such a young age? So I always tell, I think my answer here is to 
take advantage of your time as a student and the people who want to help help you succeed it's, it, it's a competitive business but you can talk to a lot of people in in all walks of business sports included who want to help people and will give you 10 15 minutes of time so that you can pick their brain so i i think networking that way in the right way that's not always about i'm looking for a job and more about the wisdom that you can get from people and you'd be surprised at how many people are willing to give you their time you you never know if you don't try so instead of just networking a certain way how it always is done around you shoot for the moon a little bit and try to have these conversations that will continue to guide you and i say you not meaning just you cam but anyone out there who would in whatever you want out of this this business this life that type of thing find the people that can that can help you and and you utilize them and then this is time relevant in the sense that it's Super Bowl week as we record. And I had the chance to interview Kevin Harlan, who is the voice of the Super Bowl on the radio for Westwood One. And I know that he oftentimes makes, to my earlier point, makes time for students and young people all the time. But he made time for me during a Super Bowl week of Eagles Patriots in 2018. And something he st said that sticks with me every single day, because this is hard for everyone. Life is hard, but something that sticks with me in what I do, he said, stick with it. There's nothing like waking up in the morning, you get out of bed and your feet hit the ground and loving what you do. So I try to keep that in mind and realize that it's not always going to be easy in all of us understand that life has its challenges, but being optimistic by nature, having that sense of, of optimism, like Kevin Harlan says, sticking with it for something that you love, whatever that might be, has served me well, and I think can serve others well as well. For sure. And when I interned at uh, 98.5, the sports hub in Boston, um, first ever internship uh, was, was with the radio station. And uh, the year or the, the NBA year after that, um, I was in my first year at the University of Rhode Island, and um, I went to a Celtics-Knicks game because I'm a big Knicks fan, and I saw Sean Grandy, who's the radio play-by-play -play voice for the Celtics, and I had him on my podcast, and I never met him face-to-face. -face. So I went up to him, shook his hand, and he evidently was talking to Kevin Harlan because it was like a, a TNT game or uh, whatever whatever game it was like nationally televised on. Him and Reggie Miller were calling the game, and uh, he was talking to, to Sean. And I went up, introduced myself to Sean, and I'm like, oh, my God, like Sean uh, – Kevin Harlan is is right there. So I reached out, shook my, shook his hand and told him what I did. And he was like, like, same thing that you just said, stick with it and and don't stop. So that, that moment will always resonate with me. And I'll always think about that, you know, going forward in my career as well. Sean is impressive. He's got really good stats on his social media platforms about the Celtics. And he also posts stuff so frequently throughout games that he's calling. I have no idea mm. how he possibly does that. I don't know him personally, but I definitely respect him and he's the Celtics you, you've got the Knicks covered I will forgive forgive the Knicks sweatshirt going against me as a as a Sixers rival here so to speak in in Cam's corner we can let it slide <laughs> yeah I mean I'm not ill-fitting for the episode but uh you know I wear New York proud on my sleeves I mean I'm I'm not from New York but 
uh, just growing up a Knicks fan. And again, now seeing where Joe is at, like I mentioned to you, how close I was with his family growing up, it's uh, it's kind of tough not to root for the Celtic at the same time. So um, I also wanted to cap off asking you if you knew, um, I'm sure you know him, but I want to know how close you were um, with God, Sham God Jr. Uh, he was under Joe. Joe coached him at Fairmont, had him on Cam's Corner a few times, and uh, we've been able to connect over the years. But how close are you with uh, with Sham? I, I wish I was closer. I would love to um, interview him more. I, he, the assistant coaches are becoming more and more a part of our, our Blue Coats Sixers G League broadcasts. So I'm sure my interactions with, with Sham will, will increase, but he's part of a, a historic Blue Coats team that won the championship. They can never take that away from him. And, and Kobe Carl, the head coach, got promoted to the Sixers staff for Nick Nurse, but much of the, the Blue Coat staff remains the same, including Sham, and they're doing a great job. There's just been a pattern of success with the Sixers G League program, so it's been a lot of fun to be around him on a regular basis. Yeah, super cool person to talk to and, and dig deep into his career and you know how it went from playing to now coaching and how much Joe's influence, influenced them as well. So, um you know, Matt, again, just wanted to appreciate and, and thank you for hopping on Camp's Corner. And the million-dollar question I ask everybody before capping off is, what would you think of Camp's Corner? Despite the Knicks hoodie, what would you think of Camp's Corner? I had a great time. Thank you for having me on. I look forward to seeing who guest number 100 is, and I will click on it and listen no matter what because I will follow the show. And anytime there's a milestone episode of anything, I'm in. But – Nope, that's not to put pressure on you, but we'll see what you deliver. For sure, Matt. Again, thank you so much. I know the schedule is super busy. Uh, episode 88, episode 20 of season three. So we're, we're getting the ball rolling almost at that capstone of 100. Uh, recording this on Wednesday. So you guys will see this out on Friday. Everybody make sure to go follow Matt Murphy on all social medias. I'll have that down in the description. And Matt, anything you want to close off with saying before we cap off the episode? No, I'm good. Just thanks again for, for having me. I, I really enjoyed it. I look forward to staying in touch with you um, and anyone who reaches out. And, and my social media handle uh, is Matt underscore Murphy 04. I mentioned JJ Reddick earlier. The four when I was making these handles came from Duke era JJ Reddick because my name is so common that I had to throw something else in there. So that's where, where that comes from. But yeah, I look forward to keeping in touch and following following the show and following your career and getting back to anybody who who might reach out. Awesome, Matt. Thank you again. Make sure to follow Matt and keep following Camp's Corner on all social media, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Celebrate.